2: Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: Darren Bresnitz, another episode of the Culinary Call Sheet. So this one I'm really excited about.
3: Super excited about this one. This is really, I think of the episodes we've done so far, this is really how the sausage gets made with incredible culinary producers like our guest today. Alyssa Newey.
1: Right. Uh, a peek behind the back kitchen of culinary media certainly would not be that without a peek into the actual back kitchen of culinary media. And I think that it'll be really exciting to talk a little bit about the role of a culinary producer and food stylist and how that pertains to food TV altogether.
3: Before we break down the difference in the two roles, I think this is one of those positions that this is the secret weapon.
1: Your culinary producer or food stylist is somebody that is is really the glue for mm-hmm. any sort of food programming. They are the people that are going to help you develop your recipes. They are the people that are going to help you develop your talking points. They are the people that are going to help you develop the timing of an episode and also make that food literally jump out of the screen so that everybody wants to be a part of whatever they're watching. They really do make the magic in food television
3: Yeah, they're going to help you with your culinary breakdowns. They're going to show you um, when to start recipes and which act and when everything comes together. Your culinary producer is going to interact with everyone on set from talent to DPs, to back a house, director, producer, lighting, everyone. And without a really good culinary producer, who's also helping write your shopping lists and things like that, you just won't be able to get to the same level of production that you're probably used to on a more polished streaming show, cable show, even high-end digital type of short that involves food.
1: And I just want to break down really quickly, you know, here we're talking a little bit about culinary producing and food styling, which are traditionally two different roles. Mm -hmm. Culinary producing, obviously you're a producer, you're helping break down this food in a way that just like you would a set, just like you would talent, just like you would story. It's a huge integral part to food TV. Now, food styling can be a part of that role, but it has to do with actually just making the food look good um, to the point that even if something looks sloppy, it's intentional. A food Mm -hmm. stylist is really making sure that everything you see in terms of food is put in that way on purpose. And we're going to go over both of those things with her. We talk a lot about how food tells the story or the food is the catalyst for a story. But a culinary producer is the role that will really help you break that down. Mm -hmm. And it can be something as simple as you said, a breakdown, which for those that don't know, a recipe breakdown, a culinary breakdown, really dissects the food so that it can be easily digested as a host tells a story or as we're watching. So it translates well to an audience.
3: And we're so excited to have one of the best in the game. Alyssa Nui, sit down and talk with us and share not just her experience, which shows that every path is unique in this industry, absolutely. but, re- but really share a bunch of insights of what goes into it. Um, a lot of the theoretical approach to culinary producing and how to bring other people along with her, because I think that's a really big part of this industry is not just getting better and growing yourself, but helping grow your colleagues as well.
1: Yeah, Alyssa Nui is really a great example about how a love for food can translate into a career without the traditional culinary roles. And this comes from her cultural background, her absolute like feet on the ground in community advocacy, and her just sort of undying curiosity. Mm -hmm. She is... Such a phenomenal person, so fun, and so engaging in everything around her. And I'm glad that we can talk to her about this because it really shows how much you can go beyond just an understanding of food to the world at large to really, really take a good look at food and be able to present it well.
3: Absolutely. And the breadth of it as well. We talked yeah. in everything from still photography to cooking competitions to editorial dumpsters and even scripted. She's had her hands in everything, literally a finger in many pots.
1: There is a whole universe on culinary media sets that no one gets to see. And this is a chance to get a little glimpse of that.
3: So let's do ourselves a favor and add Alyssa Nui's name to the culinary call sheet.
1: Hello, Alyssa. Hi. Welcome to the culinary call sheet. Thank you. You know, Darren.
3: Welcome. Sure welcome. Great to see you. Uh, we've worked together in the past and we're so excited to have you on the show to share your insights about. Food styling and culinary producing. and
1: One of the biggest things that I think we talk about is that what a lot of people know about food television is just what they see on the screen. And there's nothing but mad respect for The Back Kitchen on a food TV show. It is Mm -hmm. the heartbeat of making it happen. And most people assume you either need to be a chef or you need to have a background in cooking or you need to work in restaurants to work in food styling or culinary producing. But you... Have a different path, yeah, I mean i was a
4: I was a French teacher and a nanny when I moved to l a from San Francisco, mm-hmm. but I was always cooking, and I was always going to the farmers' market thus far, like in there thereby meeting people and meeting chefs and learning all about all kinds of interesting seasonal produce that we have going on so what was food like for you growing up? It was awesome, mm. it was really great my dad my father's from Algeria, born in France. My mother's from like the countryside of Japan, and we just kind of ate all those three kinds of ways in rotation. Like we had oh. a cheese plate, that, like we ate our salad at the end of the meal with like cheese and fruit, and I thought that was so normal. I'll never forget the first time I went to a restaurant and they gave the salad first, and like I
3: thought we were <laughs> late. You're like, I'm sorry. Can you talk to the chef? They messed yeah. up the order. <laughs> so I need the
1: dinner first.
3: Thanks. Yes. <laughs>
1: How did you even find out about food TV, like in general? Because
4: Lydia Bastianich was like my babysitter. <laughs> cooking shows, PBS, Public Access. I didn't grow up with cable. That was like that was my after-school programming.
3: <laughs> you have a passion for cooking, foods in your life, and um, you know, obviously, around this time, food and social media and getting into cooking TV wasn't as obvious to people as it is now, or the career things like that. Um, how did you first hear about working in food TV? What was the first opportunity? How did it even come on your radar?
4: Well, I was seeing someone at the, ta- at the time that was working in production. Um,
3: mm.
4: and his friend who was a line producer, um, hit him up to say he needed, and in- he-, he was looking for an intern, um, on a show he was working on. Um, and then one day, um, I had opportunity to intern on a food network, uh, food network cooking show. In their back, in their back kitchen, just was like a dishwasher, basically. And once I stepped, set foot on set, it was like it was you know hectic in the back and hectic on set, and everything just felt. I was like, this is the place for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll wipe whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm, yeah, this is my spot. So, what was the internship? Was the internship for a culinary show? Was it for a generic generic program? So it was a competition show with Rachel
4: Ray and Guy Fieri. Hey. Celebrity Cook Off. Yeah. And it was a kid's show
3: too. Kids cook off. I was just like the, this, you know, this feels super seamless. There's obviously so many different um, types of shows. And a lot of times people know what goes on behind the scenes in commercial food prep. How do you approach editorial? What are the different types of shows that you've worked on?
4: The first split is going to be stills and motion. Stills are going to be your editorial photo shoots. The food isn't moving. This is like a, a camera, you know, situation. Uh, where the things to consider are going to be the absolute like precision and perfection of almost everything mm-hmm. including the imperfection also needs to be perfect. Um, understanding what you're shooting, uh, what surfaces like what colors are going to be used, what kind of light you know well the lights are hot and so how to work with the ingredients to make that happen for for ease of the day. y'all know what I'm talking about it's all about making the day right that's kind of the yep. it's fir- kind of the first like foray into into the production aspect is the food's good. The food's important. Food takes time, but we have a day to make. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. And it's usually no. so much shorter than you imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right.
4: It goes mm-hmm. quick. It goes quick. So yeah, it's all in the prep. And then that prep, whatever you need comes also comes It comes with experience, but also just understanding the call sheet and understanding like when things are going to be shot. So you have your editorial, you have your stills mm-hmm. and then you have motion and then in motion, um, you can have like restaurants that do restaurants that just shoot their dishes. You have, mm-hmm. you know, hands and pans, um, which is what we're, you know, what I used to do on Taste Made, where it was just hands moving and the food was looking really great. Then you have the dump and store or in the kitchen with like talent with all of their recipes prepped out. And they're like dumping stuff in a pot, and then the simmered stuff is on the next pot, and then the thing is goes in the oven, and then the cooked things goes out the oven. So that's really like four recipes, (laughs) which is
1: exactly what like
4: cooking at home is. Yes. Yeah, totally. I was like, don't, why are you showing me this recipe like I got 40 little bowls at home? <laughs> which you it's, should at this point. Which bowls you or anything if could you be don't a bowl have a ram-
3: collection. Enough. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Which I do. But anyway, <laughs> um, then also scripted, um, mm-hmm. which is also something that I really, really love. Something that. Um, you know, after the competition shows, I got into the uh, film and television union through doing uh, live television demos on a talk show. You know, those like when the chefs come on and do a yeah. little segment, which takes two days to get ready, y'all. Um, and um, that was that allowed me to work in scripted TV and feature films, Amazing. which is another mind blow because then you have to. You break down a script not like a stand-in-star script but a script of like how would this character cut their bread how would this person is this person a clean you know like a a control freak is there you know is it going to be spotless is it going to have remnants everywhere i had to learn what the word remnants were like <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot i and love then this background in principle and then of course there's a steak scene and the actor is vegetarian or vegan and figuring out what to do with that so I don't know. That was kind of a lot. And it is a lot.
3: (laughs) What was it like working on set? What was the learning curve? Like, you know, what can you tell people who want to get in but may feel that they, well, I don't have this background. I don't have this resume. Mm -hmm. How did you find your footing? How did you find your way into this world once you got the internship?
4: It's really about staying in contact with people. Um, it's about when you're on set um, as well, just to like keep moving at all times. It's all, it's also like how we do in a kitchen, you know, time to lean, time to clean. Mm-hmm. Um, I am shameless with my curiosity. I ask questions mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs>
3: like, I love that.
1: I think like a lot of people don't realize the, the diversity behind the camera The diversity behind food. Like Darren has always said, like, you know, back in the day, like, if you were interested in food, you were interested in a restaurant job. And if Mm. you were like trying to reach the upper echelon, you were trying to find like the hottest restaurants or the biggest names. And Food TV has really opened up what you can do with a love for food. And I think that you're a great example of that. You were like, yeah, let me take this, you know, internship on a food competition show. And now you can break down all these different ways you've worked in all these different capacities. And that really lets people know. Like what options there are.
4: So you don't have to be like the biggest extrovert either, you know, on um, mm. these things. It's like a big team and there's a lot of people and big personalities as well. But, you know, sometimes you just need the, the shooter in the back, just run in a gun and head down. You know, those there's a place for every kind of person and, and every kind of skill level.
3: For people who may not understand the back of house, especially when it comes to culinary, can you explain how the system works, what you walked into, how you got into it, Um, And like what the different roles are where you started.
4: There's uh, a culinary producer. There is um, a food stylist who will take the dishes that's made during these competition shows. And they'll take them to the beauty box, Mm -hmm. which is where they have special lighting for a dedicated camera guy. And you just shoot those very like tight, you know, when they come up and they're like, chefs, I've made for you today. Sure. My filet mignon, those beautiful food shots. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you go in the tight pans and the swoops and stuff. Um, And then there's just you know, it's just back kitchen. Not just back kitchen, but you know, depending on the size and scale of the show, sometimes there's meat and seafood people, and then there's produce and pantry people. We accept orders just kind of like a restaurant, right? Someone comes and delivers, Mm -hmm. or there's a shopper. Um, there's a lot, usually one to two shoppers on every and You're just making runs all day and you're, you're going out in a van and you're filling up four carts of stuff. You're buying out all the <laughs> apples, all the, you know, sweet chili sauce. Everyone's looking at you crazy. And then we have to come back and bring it in. Then depending like, on this the show, girl loves
3: her mascarpone cheese, surely, that is a lot yeah. of tubs. A it's lot a of lot.
4: Tubs. And then you have to come back and sometimes you got to put stickers on everything, uh, which is called greeking. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to throw it up on the throw it up on set and make sure it looks nice so that the um, cooks have everything that they need for, um, for their competition round, for their challenge.
1: How long would you say it took you to feel both comfortable in your job and also to be able to add your input into production? Like what were those steps? What was that process like?
4: Well, after that span of about, it's like about two years working on that TV show. Um, mm-hmm. then I got a, I got a call from Made. um, like hey. years ago, like 2000, I don't remember between f- 2015, 2017 to, to just do a segment to like, they already had the recipes picked out, but then they were just, yeah, I'm just like, do it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so that was like the first time where I got to be able to stand in and be like, oh, this is, it's not like my show. It's just my hands and stuff, but. Right. And they always had. I love about Taste Made too. They have like the best DP's and camera guys. They are the so sweet. They, yeah, because honestly, cooking on TV, cooking for for the camera. You know what I'm saying? Um, the way that you would pour a sauce into, or you know, pour something into a bowl at home. Nothing at all. Like how you need to do it for camera. No. Let <laughs> no. alone no.
3: the multiple times.
4: Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
3: Could you do it higher and slower? That's how I cook at home all the yeah. time. I was like. Well, I like to pour my olive oil in a very slow, very purposeful fashion, not just a real like glug.
1: Yeah, a slow
4: stream from six feet above. <laughs> Stir with your non-dominant hand and somehow rub your belly and
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, you bring up a good point about working with the team, and I think yeah. that is um, something that people might not understand is that it's it's the food stylist. It's the culinary producer, it's the DP, and then that's for when you're doing these hands of pans as you expand out, the more people you add and the more content the longer the form, the more people that have to work together.
1: Yes. Often there's a producer also there instructing and a giving feedback and a director, yeah.
3: A lot of cooks. A lot of cooks in the kitchen. A lot of cooks in that kitchen. I think that's where the term comes from. I think it is from food TV. Not <laughs> a restaurant. I, I will. We'll have to fact check at the end. Where do you find that the food stylist role really starts to fit in in, in a perfect world, in a, in a really streamlined production? How is everything working together?
4: This is my favorite part now that I think about it. There's like the monitor, right? So you're cooking. The camera guy has like their viewfinder. And then there's a monitor for everyone to look at at the same time. And there's this magic moment where you're like, oh, stir the drink again. So the ice and the lemons fall at the right place. And you're like, everyone's like, uh, uh, maybe two people are like, ooh. And like one person's like, uh, and then there's just one that there's sometimes there is this collective exhale. I live for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, we got it. Move on.
3: <laughs> I'm with you. I love that moment when you're like, it all lined up. Everyone hit their mark. The food is perfect and you go, that's it. That is it. We cannot slice that salmon any better.
4: And even just the encouragement too, like with everyone, just like, I'm like, I don't I can, you know, because I have to like stand in an awkward angle or like yes. cut something like this. They're like, "No, you got it, Alyssa. You got, it. I'm like, no, got
3: it. That, that lemon zest fell perfectly."
1: Yeah, yeah no, it yeah. is that you're like, "Can you please sprinkle this, but don't put your arm shadow in? I don't want to see your go. fingers, but I also need you to be right in there." <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And if when you pull back, if a little steam could follow that spoon, I would love, I would love totally. for that to happen. So, going back to your career a little bit, your in the game now, you're cooking, you're working on shows. What would you consider your first big break? What was the first time in your career that you felt that you were getting to that next level? I
4: assisted a friend of mine uh, on a, like an Amazon shoot or something. And the producer really liked me. And she ended up contacting me about a show on an app that was by the, um, The rapper uh, or the artist, Tyler, the creator, he had had this app. And um, on the app was like, you know, there was like a cartoon and a couple other shows. And one of the shows was a cooking show. What was the difference when you did Tyler's show? It was mostly all the pre-production. Because before I was just kind of pulling up, maybe pitching recipes or something. But this one um, where I got to take that experience, but also... um, you know, talk with the director closely for, and the, and the talent, the host, Bonnie Lalich, love you, um, about, um, you know, about what, what was it we were doing or trying to achieve and then making it happen. So it was like a comedy cooking show. It was great. It was so fun. It was like, not serious, but it was like long days. And there was so much stuff that I, you know, didn't anticipate for like our back kitchen was also in the kitchen. So we couldn't work while they were filming. Oh man. Oh it was just God. impossible to, like, stay ahead of anything.
1: <laughs> it was crazy. The culinary team has to start before production does. They have to come in and start getting things prepped, cut, like they are roasting things for beauties or getting things par-cooked or whatever it is, whatever's necessary for whatever's coming up. That team is working ahead of us and simultaneous to us. So like you said, like, working in the same space is impossible because culinary has to be... Chopping, cutting, prepping the next act, doing things. So they really need their own separate space. Um.
3: You bring up a good point because a lot of people, especially as food gets more popular, um, may not consider all the culinary needs that go into production, even going as far as budgeting for the Mm. culinary needs. Where that's staff, location, groceries – the food. Uh, the food itself, you know, you you do a grilling show with steak, you could spend $2,000 on the steaks alone. Um, I did a wh- show on
1: barbecue for a whole hog, and uh, they were shocked that we would have to pay over a grand for each hog. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, 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 yeah. So when when people are putting together cooking shows for the first time or, or people think that it'll be cheaper than it is, what are some of the things, at least from the ground – up that people can consider when putting together a successful production, uh, for a cooking show.
4: Usually you want to like assess whether, you know, it says how many recipes, how many recipes a day are they trying to shoot? You look at the recipes and you, once you break them down into their complexities, um, then you can start to be like, okay, well, we have a lot of protein. We have a lot of this. Um, you usually want to get things from the same place as much as possible and then save all the specialty stuff. Um, but I wish they just like double the number that you think. <laughs> 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 Cause there's other stuff involved and things break or things whatever. You always like if you have one, you have none. So you always want to have like plenty. <laughs> sure. have plenty. I um, love that thing. And then, you know, and also just have have the people that you know, if you are a culinary producer and you have to turn your back on your um, on your back kitchen team, and like mm-hmm. knowing that they know how to utilize utilize as much as possible, um, and keep everything organized so that like things aren't things that should be used aren't going to waste,
3: right?
1: Yeah,
4: um, making sure you have all the right support too. Like you're, you know, just like any any kitchen, your stewards and your dishwashers are like the backbone. Period. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to say like how much because you're like, well, if I have less people on my staff, then I can pay them more, but then at what cost, right? Yeah, um, I think I would gladly take a lesser rate and feel supported (laughs) on a cool job, Mm. or even if it isn't cool, but if the team's cool and I'm supported, um, you know, that's that's kind of ideal. Huge agree way like when you, if you have to like huge. bust ass or whatever, then it's like you're really picking up the pace, not doing it to like <sighs> ugh, stay stay on stay on the mark.
1: It really does. A team makes a huge difference. Um, so how did you manage to use your knowledge and a smaller team on Tyler the Creator series? Like, how did you feel during and after that shoot?
4: I felt really empowered. I thought it was really. Cool to see my prior experiences in a new context, like in a way that I hadn't seen before. Just knowing how to set up a recipe. Also, like Bonnie, the host, she is just whip smart. So I would just (laughs) run up. She'd be on set. I would run to the kitchen and I'd be like, okay, so she, you know, we didn't really, her and I did also really go through the recipes. So I would just give her a setup and be like, okay, you're going to do this and this and this and this and this. And somehow she managed to be incredibly funny and charming and wonderful and just one take, girl. Pop, 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 pop. It, was, it was great. Um, and then for expanding on that is I think as you're moving on in any career, it's about learning what to ask for. Mm. Coming from like Food Network, it was also set up everyone knew what everyone needed. And sometimes when you're in smaller productions, mm. especially that don't work with food, they don't really understand what what the needs are. I mean, as far as like, you know, the tables, the quiet space, or, you know, the the separate space, all these things. And I wouldn't yeah. have thought at that time, I didn't even think to ask, you know, does it have a clean refrigerator? I don't know those things. So um, that's definitely something that uh, I would say has stuck with me the most and has been super helpful as I've, as I've progressed. And it's also really refreshing for people. Like uh, when you um, join on with uh, producers and things to ask those questions like, is there going to be this there? Will this be this there? Yeah. And it's usually like, oh, I didn't think about that. Thank you so much. And then, and th- these are people that make things happen. So it makes them feel more useful and it helps them to learn as well.
1: That's where your shameless yeah. curiosity comes in.
4: Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I've actually always been curious April like how do you approach telling talent like whether something is interesting or not or how to like where do you go from like can we get weirder or do we make this more accessible like how do you approach like making that decision
1: it's usually a conversation and I feel that most chefs aren't hardwired or have enough experience to Mm -hmm. that they're they're making for a mass amount of people this isn't their restaurant it isn't their home so they're also a little more amenable to suggestion um sometimes they will fight for things like having those conversations and thinking about what's accessible, you get to pick and choose your battles. I've I've lost many battles, I've won many, but I usually just try to find a middle ground. It's sort of like a negotiation. Like you get to keep these really fancy maraschinos because I know that somebody can be just fine with a cheap one. Like no one's going out and spending thirty two dollars on this jar. But great, yeah. fine. It's like a relatable ingredient in some way. Just enough. Um, yeah. I think that's really it. Just just having a lot of conversations and hearing out what the chefs feel about it. Is it a hill they want to die on? And if mm. so, why is mm-hmm. it relevant to who they are? Is it relevant to their experience? Is it a, is it a core memory that's going to be shared? Right, right, is it right. just an uppity request and like, hell no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. a, it's a conversation.
4: Yeah, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, that's how I feel about it too. So it's just always interesting to hear other people's experience with that. Um,
3: But now I do think people really want takeaway knowledge. I think people really want to say. um, And I think the great thing now is that maybe I'm watching it and I'm not going to make the whole recipe. But I've learned now that if I want really crispy fries at home, I got to Mm -hmm. soak them in water. And I take that one little takeaway thing, and I think that's what's really important as well. Is just where do I level up? How do I how do I get my food to taste better, to look better? Um, yeah. And I think that's really important to to have that knowledge and to be able to break it down, which really comes from a culinary producer. Like this is yes. a this is a fifteen part recipe. What are the three parts that we can really like lean yeah. into and say like this is what Matt like? Let your meat come to room temperature. I didn't know that before I started watching cooking shows. I thought you take the meat out of the fridge. It can never be out on the counter and it goes right <laughs> in the pan. And I don't understand why my center's raw. You know, so it's like it, that, that to me is working with a culinary producer to say like, here's where you really want to lean into it. Here's where we can, here's where we can glaze over. Here's where we can, you know, we can put something in, go to commercial. We come back. Yes, we've done a little bit of recipe yeah. job, but this is where we want to hit.
4: Giving it cadence and places to start and to stop. And then in between like, yes. Yeah, the tips. I feel like the, the tips weren't important for a while. Yes. Like those very basic ones. I feel like that's yes. actually come lately. I think probably, I don't know if it's TikTok. I don't know, whatever it is. But yeah, those things of like, you know, the blanching, the shocking, the letting your,
1: you know, letting your um, meat sit out, temper, you know. Temper. Yes. Those things, yeah. My um, CPs have always been great at that. At least in my experience, that's always something I do. The way I script, I always keep a separate, basically, how I format it, I keep a completely separate column, which is solely CP tricks, like little tidbits that can be takeaways so that if the chef isn't hitting something, there's something small. And, you know, if I hear one more time that you can peel ginger with a spoon, I'm going to scream. But I realize, like, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this. I'm I like, know. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, to Darren's point, some of these really simple things help people immensely. And I, I think if it weren't for a culinary producer... Uh, Us as creatives could sometimes overlook that. We could forget that. Um, What are all these small takeaways that could really be brought out? Totally.
4: Um, Like, you know, what do you stir it at this, to stir the pan at this moment or let it wait and
3: why? Context as well. You know, like giving, I think cultural context is really important now. We've seen it in the last few years of just where does the recipe come from? What's its origins? You know, the version we're making is not traditional, but we are going to acknowledge the traditional version. Having a culinary producer really keep you honest, I think, is very important. Yep. Because sometimes you're trying to like get the story in and get this in, and the culinary producer goes like, "No, no, this is tadiq. This is a tradition. Like, this is there's there's history here, and we yeah. need to fit this in."
4: Yeah, and that's actually something that I'm like stepping into as well. Because like you know, I there's like clues or certain things, like certain verbiage that has been written out, and you're like, "Hell bro. no." <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like slightly off or totally off. And I'm like, Yeah. Do I say something? Is this my show? It's not really my show, but it kind of is my show. <laughs> yes. Um, and like, yeah, approaching that and um, you know, when you just focus on obviously the integrity of the recipe and um I,
1: I appreciate I sure this it. so much and having a team to go back because I have like I said, I win a lot of battles and I lose a lot of battles. Like there have been shows that they're like, This is a fiesta. And then like, you know it's just sort of all over the map and like pulling from cultures in a way that feels just a little like we should maybe take a step back.
4: (laughs) I was just hearkening back to, yeah, a kind of this experience where I was working on, it was like food part of like a magic, it was like a magic show, like a magic TV show. Uh But one of the, some of the tricks had food involved and all the tricks had to do with like a country and the, you know, the country was like Japan and they were doing something with like a pork bun and I'm like, it's, you know, and I was kind of going back and forth. I was like, y'all, like, yes, like we, there's a name for it in Japan and you can get it at a, a grocery store and, you know, you find it in like a convenience store. But it's like, the, but the, but the trick itself was so embedded in this particular thing that they couldn't yeah. shake it, you know, yeah, not that they really mm. cared. I was about to walk off, you know, it's like my ancestors are rolling in their graves. <laughs> <laughs> And then you want to get all like self-righteous about it. But then it's like, you know, the magician works so hard. (laughs) Of course. Like, oh, Peter.
3: (laughs) If in your heart you go like, I'm trying to make the best show and represent the food restoring. And in some ways, especially if you have a close relationship with the talent, protecting the talent. Because they're ultimately going to be the ones who pay for any sort uh of those slips on camera. Uh Um, I want to actually ask you about talent. So you've worked on so many shows. You've done so many different things. What is it like uh, working with the chef and either matching their culinary skills or understanding working and sometimes like recreating their food? Like, how do you approach the process of working with different culinary talent that's on camera?
4: Um, I think that it is the best seat in the house. I think that the people that I've gotten to work on side by or work with side by side. Um, you know, your job is to make them look good, so they automatically mm. love you. Obviously, you're not <laughs> the commie that just like popped up, like, "Hey, can I come pick herbs?" Even <laughs> if that's your more so your skill set. <laughs> sure,
0: sure.
4: um, so coming in, um, I just got I got crash courses constantly because the good chefs, and I'm I'm speaking specifically to doing the live demos for these talk, for these like big network talk shows. They're real chefs. They got to move. They can. Have, they're not going to sit in their green room. You know. You know yeah. who's going to sit in the green room, and then the and then the real guys that have like you know restaurants and like just love to cook. They come out and they come out with you and they and they they have their chef and then their chef's like showing you stuff and you're just kind of it, it feels like you know like just fast forward family for a hot sec and they are like okay great let's do this and I yeah. like never forget this one time too where I had to get these beauties on at six a.m. Right. Um, So I'm in the truck, in the food truck, prep truck outside the soundstage. And I'm telling chef, I was like, chef, I need to get this on. And he's like seasoning. And he's putting salt on it. I was like, chef, it doesn't need to taste good. And <laughs> it was like dead silence. His head turned like kick, 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 to me. And he's like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. I was like, yes, Savage. chef.
3: Yes, chef. Yes, <laughs> yes I love they're, that. They're, they're, yes, chef.
4: we chef. Yes, chef. We chef. Uh, we chef. We it chef. Like, wasn't even mean. It was just, it was so revealing to what the personality type is, to what, you know, the ethos of a chef is. It'd be like, you know, 25 years, dish after dish, like at the top, at, you know, peak. Peak flavor, this, and I'm on TV, and you're
1: gonna tell me that doesn't need like tell me that something doesn't need to taste good that's coming from my hands. Like I can't even process this reality. <laughs> there is a big divide between making food taste good when you don't necessarily have to for TV. So, what are the things that are important when you're presenting food? Like, what are some of the tips or tricks that you use as a stylist or as a CP for food?
4: Um, you just have to dial back as much as you can, whether it's on the cooking process, the seasoning process. Um, you know, the garnishing process kind of usually brings, you bring your plate up kind of almost as naked as you can with a side tray of everything else, Mm. because when you sit at a restaurant, you know, you have your, it's your eyes to the table, right? It's about like, whatever, 45, 60 degrees. So most dishes are, most dishes are. Plated for that, they're sty- you know, in the sense styled for that. However, if you have like a fifty millimeter macro going in, or your camera is at another another um, angle, you need to show off the same things just at a different in a different way. So, you know, one thing I always ask is, or just like looking at the camera setup and knowing how to do that final dish um, is key. And then um, and that way you can add the touches because you also need to work with a light. So you work with the cameras and then you got to work with light. Like what is the light shining on? And then, and then you can go from there. That's, um, where you can, you know, brush on your dressing onto that leaf, like where it needs to go. Because, you know, if you dress salad, it's going to, it's going to do that anyway. But yeah, with a sauce, it's even worse. So, um, yeah. Understanding that you're working with, um, lens and light and, um, And you're there for more so the ingredient itself. You're like showing off the ingredient itself. So all the seasonings and all those things can come later to like build that visual story or build the story that was you know given in the recipe visually.
1: So what kind of kits do do you (laughs) you carry then? I
4: have the basic kit is going to be you know a selection of tweezers, paintbrushes, different size spray bottles. Um, those things you'll have, you know, one with vodka or vinegar to wipe up grease stains, one with plain water to just keep things looking fresh, one with some glycerin, which when you spray it out, the droplets kind of stick to what you're spraying and can give that condensated Mm. look much longer and it's not going to drip down. Um, a heat gun, a heat gun and a glue gun as well sometimes, because sometimes you have like the, with the heat gun, it, it just disperses hot air right and heat um but with a glue gun sometimes you got to get like just real into a corner and more so just let that radiant heat like iron out a chicken wrinkle (laughs) (laughs) Um.
3: you need to have that smooth skin on camera
4: smooth skin on camera yeah um you know oils um and then also like, you know, like when you have a sauce or something, you don't like want to over, I learned, I remember learning like, oh, you don't have to oil everything. Like just take some of the juice from the pan of the meat itself and like making things look more real in that way. It's another great thing about where we are with cameras and things is um, less is more now, which is great. You're not having to spray paint your lobsters anymore. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um,
4: and then, you know, just having your whole, whatever your are mini back kitchen setup, like your cutting boards and knives and towels and paper towels, tons of paper towels. It's kind of sad how many paper towels you need. (laughs) How many paper towels? (laughs) My favorite things are like all the different food colorings, like the color matching that I've had to do in like a split second sometimes (laughs) has been, well, I could like, even if I'd spent eight hours on this, I probably wouldn't have gotten it right because there was so much chaos in like a half a second. I'm like, this is what what would you have to do that for? Um, like a pastry cream, again, depending on the light, sometimes it just doesn't quite capture, it <clears throat> doesn't capture what the original color was. So say something like, you know, with pistachio or whatever, you just got to mm.
1: add,
4: yep. not just a green, but the right kind of green, the right combination of green, green with like a little bit of more yellow in it sometimes, you know, and like understanding, understanding that like, it's crazy when you think I, I just wanted to cook and somehow I know color theory and like gestalt, so. Whatever. <laughs> I'm here for it.
3: <laughs> what is the line uh, of how much you can get in there and, and judge the food on editorial? Because, for again, for commercial stuff, it's sort of you can go crazy to make sure that everything looks perfect. You can glue seeds on a bun and have mm-hmm. all this stuff. But when you're doing food that then also may need to be eaten, mm-hmm. what's the level of comfortability that That's you have? That's a great
4: question. I mean, that's what I, that's my preferred way in the sense of I like keeping things edible in my head. I'm like, well, then it's not going to go to waste and we can like, yeah. you know, if it's not, if it's not under the light for too long, like we can like serve it up. Um, again, also add a, a spray bottle, a tweezer, a brush and a little oil or a little like residual juice. I and mean, usually that's kind of all you need. Everything else underneath is going to be like propping up. Or something like that you know just yeah shifting the frisee under the arugula just so that you know it just sits on top <laughs> so you can see it it's 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 remarkable how you know i would have over i you know and i still do overthink things a bunch to where like or if i like have my assistant doing that i'm like don't fall in love with it <laughs> just no. yeah you also just have to step back to see how it looks now you have to yeah. see, step, step back to see how it looks to see how everyone else views it too
3: mm. you yeah
4: know? Cause sometimes they're like, it looks great. And you're like, okay, (laughs) yeah, it looks fine. You know,
3: there's that moment when you're working with new talent, who's never seen their food um, gone through like the TV process and they come over and they see it on the monitor for the first time, the final beauty and all the work that you've put into it and all the work the teams put into it. And there's just like this look on their face and they're like, this is my food translated to TV and it's at a whole other level. It's something really nice. Yeah. It's something it's really special. Yeah, it's very
4: powerful. It's so special because it's really the through line that kind of connects everybody mm. where like we all saw that, but we didn't see it until we saw it, but we worked really hard to make it happen. <laughs> yes. And yes. then again,
1: that collective exhale, like, <gasps> like <laughs> Yeah. Are there any skills that someone could try to perfect in terms of cooking or culinary wise mm-hmm. or information that they could try to- put together in order to be maybe a bigger asset for a culinary team
4: oh yeah um learning how to organize a refrigerator learning how to bring in your produce and um keeping a fridge organized i think is the first task where like that's where you prove yourself as like (laughs) useful (laughs) useful a bit like or being able to organize the
1: pantry and um organize the fridge um and when you say that do you mean for tv and if so what does that look like I'm talking about for the back kitchen.
4: <laughs> you keep the, mm-hmm. the herbs are in alphabetical order in their hotel pans, you know, like A through L or this and that. And then that way, when it ta- come time comes for, you know, whatever, whoever's like, um, you know, whoever's more on set for them to be able to come and have the ease to move it through. That's how you build your, your work ethic in that respect. And like the physical aspect, the tangible aspect of it, you know, label everything, label label everything. And while yeah. you're at it, cut the tape. Just cause cut the tape. Just cause <laughs>
3: so don't rip. You got a knife. You got so many sharp things around you. Yeah. Cut that tape. Usually like sure a ahead. court deli full of scissors. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> what comes next for you?
4: Um, I'm actually taking, I'm taking a step back from the competition stuff, food styling, scripted shows and feature films at the moment. That's just what I have on my plate, which is kind of cool. Cause it, it's not like, you know, two weeks of shooting. It's it's much more – there's much more relaxed time. Um, but I, that being said, you know, no rest for the wicked. I'm here to build community and I'm here to um, – I want to share this experience with people. And, you know, I was gone for so long. But, you know, I get DMs and emails all the time from people like florists that want to shoot or prop stylists, like other people that do things like art department and all this stuff. People that want to, like, do test shoots or – whatever. So I like the idea, especially coming onto something like this, um, with anyone that's even interested or wants to take the conversation further. Um, you can come onto my website, Alyssa and, um, I'll have a Google form up there if you want to like add in any, um, of your information, what you want to get started. Cause I also have amazing friends, like professional friends in the industry that want to also share their experience. That also yes. want to, um, mm-hmm. are down to like mentor or share, um, or just have me you know we can have like a Zoom call and a thing, like it's a conversation like this, but a bit more specialized in different realms. Absolutely.
1: This yeah. is Absolutely. this is what the podcast was for is to open up the door a little bit to people and let them in on, on like Darren and I have talked about it a million times and you said it a minute ago, it can be a really small, sort of closed-ended community. <laughs> and being able to open those doors a little bit, um, is really something that I know we have been excited about and are really Pleased to see how so many other people are interested in that as well. With that being said, how would you define success, Alyssa? By how many people I have around with me,
4: enjoy, yeah. enjoying it.
3: Yeah. The community. That's yeah, what it like is.
4: When I get – I have people that, you know, of, of, they screenshot their culinary call sheets and they're the food stylist or the culinary producer – and getting that, like, this wouldn't have happened without you. I'm like,
2: mm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, my
4: work is done. <laughs> yeah. It feels good. It feels great. And because again, like, yeah, because you get so into it and then you look around and you're like, how did I even get here? How did you get here? Yes. Get here? And, and that's the thing about the door. The door can swing wide open or you can get in through the window or you can get in through the crack or you can jump in right as it's
1: closing. There's so many ways to get into the door. That's always been my thing. Like uh, My hustle has been like, if if you tell me the door is closed, I'm going to find a window. And I there think that know. that is one of the beautiful things about this industry as well, is for as closed as it is, if you do have that uh, shameless curiosity, as you just said, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think there are so many ways in which you can come into this. Like, Darren and I have known each other for so long. This is the first project we've worked together on. Yeah. You and I, Alyssa, I think like the last text I sent you was six years ago or something. Like, I saw <laughs> together one day <laughs> one day i know you and i have like dm'd each other a billion one times we follow each, each other like exactly but this is like our first project and mm-hmm. i i love that about it because there is so much community here and you do keep in contact with so many people there is so much camaraderie and connection i think that's food right you commune and like here we are we're able to do these things
4: i love taking line cook burnt out line cooks that mm-hmm. have an eye you know or the, and that aren't so hard hardwired in what they're doing because I'm always like you're gonna come work with me. I need you to take everything you think you know about cooking and I need you to put it away, but also in an accessible place. Yes, and then we need to talk about how things actually going to go here, and then whatever tools you need to pull from that, integrate that in. And, just
3: know what, um, just know just know what tricks you're going to pull from, and what's yeah. needed for the show, and 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 um, say thank you, chef. Yes, chef. <laughs>
4: What do you need? <laughs> My chef. <laughs> Stay behind. Uh, Stay behind in corner. That's all, I get, that's all I care
3: about. <laughs> we have a section called A Little Takeaway, little quick answers, little uh, fun little questions that we want to ask for you. Don't think, just answer, off the top of the head. But here we go, a little takeaway, our, our quick little uh, fun section of questions and things like that. So,
1: What's some of the best
4: advice you have received? Just going the extra step to be kind as opposed to being right. Um, yes. While still, you know, obviously, like, whatever, having your way. I don't know whatever it is about, like, picking your battles, but there's always a, a kinder way to say everything.
1: So what's some good advice that you'd like to share then?
4: Your best is good enough and cause, because you have the right people around
3: you and just, like, knowing mm-hmm.
1: that. Mm. I love that.
3: It all goes back to the people. Oh. It all, I mean, that's that's the community. You're like, oh, you're working on this show? Yes, I will work with, yeah, 100%. Well,
4: yeah, well, what's a call sheet made up of?
3: Friends and family. Friends and family.
4: (laughs) Show friendship, baby.
3: (laughs) (laughs) What is the best dish you ever produced on TV?
4: When Roy Choi hosted the season two of Broken Bread premiere with uh, Wolfgang Puck and um Alice Waters. Mm. Uh that's definitely a huge highlight, uh both of my career and just the people I got to work with. Um and and the way everything looked also <laughs> can i add a second one <laughs> this is insider information now, um there is a deleted ch- uh, chili burger scene in the quentin tarantino movie uh once upon a time in hollywood it never made it i think it would had to do with the roman polanski situation cuz his character was eating this chili burger in front of tommy's and like that austin powers like jacobian collar and it was just getting all over the place And we were shooting it on 70 millimeter and it was four in the morning and that stuff looked amazing. And no, I don't think anyone's ever going to see it. So I just want to share that.
3: Fair. (laughs) All right. Quentin, put it on YouTube. Let the fans see what we want. (laughs) Let us see Let us see what we want. Give the
1: people what they want. Um, What would your final meal be? My final meal would be,
4: (laughs) I've thought about this (laughs) now. Um, The steak tartare, Ethiopian steak tartare from Meals by Gannett. Um, That would definitely be on the menu. Uh, My mom's sake, uh, her salmon, like sake, sake leaves. I don't even know what it is. Like the sake skin. I don't know. It gives a great flavor to miso soup. Mm.
2: There's
4: salmon miso. And... um, My grandma's, this Algerian dish where you pound a bunch of like roasted tomatoes and peppers and then like put in this like semolina flatbread and you just like smush it up and everyone sits around the like big mortar and pestle and eats it out of a spoon.
3: Yep. So just let us know when that's coming up. We'll be right (laughs) over. Um, (laughs) What is your ultimate pantry staple both at home and on set?
4: Sherry vinegar, I guess. Really good sherry vinegar. Hmm. I'm in love with that.
3: What is the most complicated dish? you've had to produce or cook on set.
4: We just had to do roasted fennel for a chef's uh, demonstration. sliced roasted fennel. For some reason, she hated every way that we did it. It was just, I mean, you just cut it. And it was, so it wasn't the dish itself, right? But it was this external situation of, it possibly like, wasn't the right fennel, like not whatever the right fennel even is, but it was a roasted (laughs) fennel dish.
1: Who would be on your dinner party playlist?
4: Um there would be a African psychedelic music on there. Um mm. there would also be some Cat Stevens and what should we even call them that anymore? I can't not. <laughs> um and Prince. Love that.
3: If you were hosting your own cooking show, what is the dish that you would make?
4: The dish, a dish, oh my gosh. Um, Like a really cool bento box, maybe? <laughs>
3: mm.
4: Like a really, like, my like second generation soul food version
3: of that or something.
1: <laughs> what is one kitchen item you can't live without both at home and on set? Mini offset spatula, easy.
3: And finally, what is something you would tell your younger self?
1: You
4: got this.
3: I love it. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with us. Yes. Share your experience, your tips. If people want to reach out to you, collaborate with you, where can they go? How do they get involved in your life, seeing your work? Follow along.
4: Come into my life. Um, I'm on Instagram uh, at suppingoods, S-U-P-P-I-N-G-O-O-D. Go to my website. You can email me there. we definitely talk a lot more. Um, We'll have that Google form up. Um, Please keep in contact or just give me a DM. It would be great. I'd love to talk to you.
1: Alyssa, thank you so much. This was so fun. You brought so much energy and information to everybody. And I'm so happy to see your face and talk to you. you. I'm happy to to see you. Let's go. Thanks, guys!
2: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: I love Alyssa.
3: I mean, she's the best.
1: She is. She's just like, just a person who is so lovely to watch out in the world anyway. Like her own curiosity makes you curious, but just Mm -hmm. like the stuff she shares about her mom and her family, everything you see, this is truly like a person who loves food, loves community and like took a passion and made it a career.
3: Yeah. And not only that is that she's very generous with what she's learned. There's no gatekeeping here which is really inspiring. Um, It is a tough, I mean, tough is not even the right word. It's almost impossible field to break into. There isn't even really school for it. And in fact, you know, as we mentioned a couple of years ago, five, 10 years ago, it wasn't even really a full-time career. And now you can really be a a journey person um, on culinary shows, working in the back as a producer and a stylist.
1: Yes, I definitely think that this is a role that we can revisit several times and should revisit several times Mm -hmm. because if there ever was a buffet of an episode, this is one because Alyssa was able to touch on so many things that I was like, oh my gosh, even learning about film for me, who hasn't Mm -hmm. worked on film to think about just the food that a character eats and a person is in charge of that. Yeah, I, it never occurred to me in that sense because I'm so accustomed to our like stand-in stirs, our competitions, things like that. Even my mind was blown in this episode.
3: If you think about a show like The Bear, you think about how Carmine is going to cut his vegetables or cook his meat. That's a culinary producer like Courtney Storer who's not just prepping his food or prepping it in his personality. And something I never even really thought about until Alyssa said it in our conversation that it's not yeah. just because we work on editorial
1: we say all the time food is so personal so imagining how personal it can be to a character in a film was just really delightful
3: it's always nice to have someone on who we've had the pleasure of working with and you reminded of like i hope i get another show where i can hire her again or someone like her because it's just such a great experience just to keep working with the people in this industry.
1: Now, listen, Alyssa and I have never worked together. We have circled each other and tried to work together for nearly a decade.
3: Oh, (laughs) just like us. Just like Just like
1: us. But I think that that's, what's wonderful is that there is like this enigmatic, like this pull from certain people and she is one of them. Like I've seen her on several sets. I've seen her through social media. We've had our names handed to each other several times. We know this is a community and I I love what Alyssa does. I love how she puts herself out in the world. I love the diversity uh, of her palette. I love that she is out in the community. I, I believe in the things that she believes in. And I love seeing her out here being able to, be amongst so many different communities because it's a really diverse position. If you have questions, let us know. We know a lot of culinary producers. Alyssa is one of our favorites, obviously, but we really want to know if you have questions. What are some specifics that you may have heard today that you want to know more about? Because we'd love to do an episode just for
3: you. Absolutely. And one of the things is when you are lucky enough to work with someone like Alyssa is that you just know that that section of your production is sorted. Yes. She's going to get you set up for success. The breakdowns are going to be ready. She's going to have different options in case you run into issues, which you always do. She'll yes. have swaps. She'll be able to talk to the talent. She'll be able to work with the whole crew. And you just know that your day, which is hard, is going to be a little bit easier because she's so good at what she does. A good culinary producer, a great food stylist, they're worth their weight in saffron. <laughs>
1: Very nice. Uh, Huge shout out to Heritage Radio Network, as always, for partnering with us. Darren, you're a dream. Much love to Alyssa. Reach out to her. Reach out to us.
3: Yeah. And uh, please stay involved. Get in touch. If you have any questions or want to hear about anything else in this crazy culinary world, please do not hesitate to reach out so we can add your name to the culinary call sheet.
1: This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you.